the three legs of it are uh, the science, the scientific evidence, the coach's experience, and the athlete's experience, and also the athlete's uh, desire. That Triathlon Show, episode 109. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and today's episode is a solo episode where I will teach you how to use sports science and how to apply it in practice. So I will talk about interpreting research, what you should be looking for, how to recognize bad research, and most importantly, talk about the fact that it most certainly is only one part of the puzzle, and uh, there are other very, very big parts that come in that are not necessarily research or science-based when it comes to planning your training and your triathlon performance in general. So we'll talk a lot about how to, how to do that and how to find strike the right balance, and uh, definitely you should not be doing what some some might do and use the in my opinion very overused phrase evidence based as a shield that's a, a big no no but first let's thank our sponsors this episode is sponsored by precision hydration Andy Blow, who was on episode 49, is the founder of the company, and he recently wrote a great blog post on whether your hydration strategy needs to change as you get older. So that's interesting for all the masters athletes out there. And in a nutshell, three factors suggest that older athletes need to be more diligent with their hydration than youngsters. Because the margin for error is uh, reduced and uh, the risk of dehydration is increased for this demographic. Uh, the reasons being that you have less water on board to start with, uh, so this increases the risk of dehydration. You also tend to lose more water through your urine, so dehydration is again increased, or the risk of dehydration, I should say. And finally, your sensation of thirst is actually diminished. This is something that I talked about way back in episode 12. So again, that risk increases. And if you are looking for the best electrolyte drinks and products out there on the market that can be tailored for your individual needs, then go to precisionhydration.com. You can get your first box for free by using the code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. This episode is also sponsored by Triathlon Corner, a triathlon webshop on triathlon-corner.store that has you covered with everything from wetsuits, running shoes, bike computers uh, to power meters. And right now, all that Triathlon Show listeners can get 10% off all purchases, any products, by using that same discount code, that Triathlon Show, all one words, word all caps, on triathlon-corner.store. And remember that if you're in Helsinki, they have a great brick and mortar store uh, with an indoor bike studio where they do group workouts. And, and of course, you can shop there in the brick and mortar store as well. I'm sure if you ask nicely that uh, the discount code that triathlon show will apply as well in uh, whether you, when you go shopping physically. All right, so let's move on to the main topic of today, how to correctly use sports science and apply it in practice. 
So the first thing that I want to talk about is that uh, it most definitely isn't a case of you being able to finding the solution just by reading a lot of research and uh, and optimizing your training plan based on that. It doesn't work like that at all. Uh, I like to use the analogy of a three-legged stool when it comes to how you should plan your training and anything really that uh, goes around your your sports performance like nutrition, recovery, etc., and that three-legged stool, the three legs of it are uh, the science, the scientific evidence, the coach's experience, and the athlete's experience, and also the athlete's uh, desire. You, so let me explain what that means. So the scientific evidence is pretty straightforward. Uh, that's what we'll talk about a bit more later. But uh, just as important is uh, the coach's experience. If uh, the coach has coached a lot of athletes and says that this usually works for athletes like you, then, I mean, that's it makes no sense not to try that approach if we're talking about a training intervention, for example, because the coach has seen that work time and time again. So you should not discount that just because there might not be any evidence for that approach. And the same thing goes for the athlete's experience, but also what uh, the athlete wants to do. I mean, if the athlete really, really detests running on the treadmill or riding on the indoor trainer and they have the opportunity to to ride and run outside year-round, for example, then even if the coach may be a big proponent of treadmill running and indoor bike riding, then maybe it's uh, in the best interest of the athlete's performance to not actually have that because they might get bored, mentally burned out, and mentally fatigued. So, so all of these three things, again, scientific evidence, coach's experience, athlete's experience, and desire come into play here. The athlete's experience, again, is very important, especially for the more experienced the athlete, the more important this becomes. Uh, I ask a ton of questions from my experienced athletes that I coach about what they think has uh, worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked, and those sorts of things. It should always be a two-way communication that way. So you have this three-legged stool and you don't want one leg of the stool to become too dominant because then the stool will will tip over, basically. Uh, that's uh, in this analogy. So so when it comes to using science specifically to plan your training or whatever, don't use that uh, the scientific evidence and uh, again the term evidence-based as a shield and don't be the guy who only uses research and not experience and actually looking at what's happening in the real world to your performance or to the whatever it is that you, you want to improve. Uh, you you're missing out on so much if you're only using that one third of uh, of of the of those pillars. So the way that uh, I, I think that you should measure things, if if we're talking performance here, like triathlon performance, measure test uh, frequently and measure your performance, but also measure other things that can be like bench performance in benchmark sessions uh, we have talked about a lot of different options that you can that, that you can measure on other episodes so i won't go into detail on that if you use training peaks you have some great dashboards that can show you for example your 20 minute or five minute or one hour power on the bike and how that has progressed month over month so so it's pretty easy to do that these days and uh, 
and and so, so what I do, for example, with uh, in my coaching is that I have a big big spreadsheet with uh, one one tab or one sheet for each athlete that I coach, and I have a lot of uh, a list of all sorts of uh, of tests that we do, but also races. Uh, they can be triathlons or they can be running races or uh, or cycling races and or other key workouts. And and I. When I see when an athlete does a key workout or a test, I add those details to that spreadsheet so I can then uh, and then I keep adding to that row. So, for example, on one row, I have an FTP test and then I add onto that row every time that the athlete makes a test. I write the date and I write the power and the average and maximum heart rate and uh, sometimes some other details if it's important. So I can easily in that spreadsheet overview exactly how things have progressed. And then I can correlate what happened between this month and two months ago when we had this uh, development, this progression, or in worst case scenarios, this regression, uh, and uh, why is that the case. So definitely you need to be measuring, and that way you can find out whether your use of the three legs of the stool, the scientific evidence, the experience, whether that's correct or if you need to, to change things. And that can be in either one of these legs. Maybe... Maybe the coach, in this case, the experience that uh, the coach has uh, is not applicable for this particular athlete or the science is not applicable for this particular particular athlete. And and that second thing, the, the science, that's something that we'll talk about a lot just a little bit later. So... So that's that's about it. Uh, I, I should say that there is no one right way to train. The, there isn't. You can't find a right way to train by reading every single research paper that is out there. There are way too many variables and uh, too many confounding factors. Uh, we will never find an answer, not in our lifetime and not in many lifetimes, uh, to if there is a best way to train. So that's one of the main reasons uh, when, when you put it in simple terms that we need to combine uh, the scientific evidence with the art of coaching or with the experience uh, so to get the best results. That's, uh, and that's what we're after. We're not after being evidence-based. We're after performing well. So keep that in mind. That's the big picture. And uh, it's the main thing. And as you know, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And on this podcast, the main thing is always performance. Oh yeah, now I just remember that one more thing that I want to mention on this topic is that uh, you should be open and honest about what the reason for any certain training or nutrition or recovery intervention is. Is it based on research or is it based on your experience? Both are fine, but... Uh, you don't want to be the guy either who uh, goes around and says that you do all sorts of things that are evidence-based if you're really doing it because you like it based on your own experience or maybe you've heard somebody or a lot of friends having good results it's may that's a perfectly good example to try something but uh, but be clear and be honest about whether something is based on your experience your coach's experience or on on research and uh, yeah be open and honest about that. All right, so let's move on to the next phase, the next segment of, uh, of this topic, and that is interpreting science, interpreting research studies. There are a few main, main things that uh, we really need to, to consider here, some terms, and uh, those are study design, 
uh, statistical significance and effect size. So I'll keep this simple. I won't go go all sciency on you. I, I'll do my best at least. But uh, in any questions that you may have, uh, go and comment on uh, in the comment section on the show notes page, and I will answer every single question that you post there. And I'm very quick at answering those questions actually that you post in the comments. So that uh, that's on thattriathlonshow.com as usual. Uh, but okay, so. Study design, statistical significance, and effect size. In terms of study design, just to keep things very simple, we have different grades of, of how good, how well designed a study is, and how, how much credit you can give to a study based on its design. So I'll just I'll not cover all different variations that there are, but just so you're aware that case studies or even expert opinions those are like the weakest grades of scientific evidence so but but they, they're still valuable when when you add them to to other research studies that are out there and to your own experience so so don't uh, discredit them but be aware that they're not as valuable as uh, other more more reliable uh, study designs so then somewhere in the middle you have a non-controlled study so you have just one experimental group so for example let's say that you have uh, you have 20 runners and you want to see if adding two runs per week to their normal uh, four runs per week schedule so they will increase from four to six runs per week if that will improve their 5k time and uh, and then you so all of these runners will will add two more workouts to the weekly schedule they will do a baseline test before and after the study and then you will see the results are the results in the 5k times significantly statistically significantly statistically significantly different yeah i got it right uh from uh, after the after the intervention compared to before the intervention so but you the, the problem here is that you don't have a control group you don't have a group of runners that keep doing only four runs per week so that you can compare the difference uh, so uh, because otherwise you, you may find if you have a controlled group because that's the the final the best type of study design when you have this control group you may see that actually these runners also improve just as much as uh, as the runners that added two workouts per week just because maybe the population is like really new runners so they've only been running four times per week for a couple of weeks so so it's not really a surprise that all of them will improve whether they're running four or six times per week so so that's why a, a control study with a control group and a randomized control study especially uh, are the best types of study designs so the next term that i mentioned statistical significance that's uh, used to see if uh, because there may be difference with, there will always be a difference between groups almost always in that above example let's say one group improved their 5k k time by one minute and the other group improved by 30 seconds or even 59 seconds there's still a difference uh, a one second difference but if it's a one second difference you probably can't say that one method adding two runs is better than not adding any runs because there is going to be variations and uh, variance in in basically in in the sample so so that's why you need to use statistical methods to estimate if it's likely to be due to 
due to chance or due to an actual true effect. And usually the way statistical significance is used is that uh, it basically tells you uh, if you repeat this test 100 times, then 95% of the times you will find that actual effect, and but 5% of the times you, you won't find it. So, so that's basically, you usually put draw the line at 95% and uh, you're happy with that because otherwise it will be really, really difficult to find significant statistical significance anytime unless you have a study of a lot of people and that's really difficult for funding reasons and other reasons as well uh, so but it's important also to keep in mind that this is a, a composite score that is based on the actual true difference so let's say for example that the true difference here is actually 20 seconds so you win 20 seconds uh by uh, by adding two runs per week to your training regime uh, but that's just one part of statistical significance the others are the variability so that is some people may may improve by 10 seconds some not at all some by 40 seconds some by one minute so there is a variability and the bigger that variability is the more difficult it is to get statistical significance and the sample size also comes into play so if you repeat that same study and you get the exact same difference but uh, one study has more participants than the other then the study with more participants might find a statistical, statistical significance uh, but uh, the the one with fewer samples or fewer subjects i should say they won't so so that's basically how you use it and that's why just because a result isn't statistically significant it doesn't mean that there isn't an effect but also it doesn't mean that there is an effect it just tells you kind of the likelihood based on the variability of the phenomenon you're researching and also the sample size of this study. The effect size finally in this case it's uh, that difference in uh, in 5k times that we talked about so so if you can say that that one group improved by 30 seconds and one group improved by five seconds then uh, put simply you can say that 25 seconds is the difference here and if you found a 25 second difference on a 5k and you also find statistical significance that uh, that is a good good thing but if you find in another study that the effect size is uh, 10 seconds but it's still statistically significant then that effect size is pretty small so even though there might be a true difference there is it worth adding those two extra miles where uh, two extra runs with the increased injury risk that comes from it if potentially the effect size is just 10 seconds uh, that's uh, that's how you need to think about these things keep in mind that not all research is good research study design is one factor that we already mentioned but also the interpretation that the authors make is not always uh, good and uh, that goes for anybody interpreting the research that goes for myself and anybody reviewing and reading research of course but the authors can also make mistakes they're not gods they're normal people like you and i and these days it's uh, there are a lot of journals out there that uh, 
are actually pretty easy to get your studies accepted into. So, And that means that somebody, if they have a biased opinion about something, they're going to dig up a poor study and just to support their view and say that, hey, there is evidence for this. And then somebody else is going to pick it up and post it on social media. And suddenly you have a media frenzy and a hype. And uh, yeah, so, so that's one of the risks these days. And one of the problems with poor research and uh, the ease of getting some research studies accepted in in journals some other things to keep in mind here is that research shows what happened and if it was due to chance or not uh, it does not predict the future just because you had a difference in uh, running performance between the two groups where one increased uh, their uh, to six workouts per week it doesn't mean that uh, the same thing will happen in the future if you do it or if somebody else does it. It's very, for the first for one thing there is the variability that we talked about so it might be true on average but not for every person but it's also very very contextual so there are a lot of variables that go goes into into this so for example things like the demographics are these uh, college students or are they masters athletes and what's their background what's their ability like what's their current fitness level all these sorts of things and also like what did they do did they did, did all the college students go to crossfit uh, the day before the uh, the 5k time trial the second time around or did, were they ordered to stay home at rest and and they all had the same food and the same amount of sleep that's uh, a very different story so so if you have just because you have a positive research result it does not mean this is how you should train it means first of all you need to to put it in context you need to read the research and know what the context was and if the context seems applicable to you then it means this may be a method worth trying to see if it works for me but remember that there is still that variability inevitably so it might not work for you there is no such thing as a fact and uh, and about that context because that's super important uh, the this is a general piece of advice for you if there is evidence like a study that is really really the demographic is exactly what uh, like you are and and all the things that that they did in the research applies to your life and how you train etc then if you have even one or two studies that have good positive results with a decent effect size then it may be worth trying that but uh, but on the other hand if you have one or two studies that show good positive effect sizes but the context is very very different then you need to probably put the bar a bit hi- higher in terms of how much accumulated evidence you want it to you want there to exist before you try something but that again comes down to your philosophy. If there's no potential harm and some potential benefit, then yeah, you might try it. And uh, still, don't call it evidence-based, but, uh, but, but you can try it for sure. Whereas some people might think that, especially if it's an investment of time or there might be some other factors that uh, some downside to trying something that you've read about in a research study then you really some people have the philosophy that you need to know that there's no potential harm or minimal potential harm like injury and really high likelihood of success so that means that you need uh, a lot of repeated studies that have shown the same thing and they have shown the things in the demographic of the athlete and the context of the athlete's life 
one uh, so okay okay so this thing that comes down to don't just read the abstract that's super important and that's a mistake that a lot of people do they read the abstract and uh, and then they think that hey i should try this because they found some sort of result almost any published research study unfortunately find results often uh, sometimes research is not even published if they don't find any results so uh, that's uh, that's a problem and uh, and other times they test a lot of different things a lot of hypotheses so at least something is going to show some sort of result and that may be uh, it may be due to chance even if they had statistical significance so and, and it may be something that a phenomenon that's not really important to you they may find that okay so uh, yeah you you have reduced lactate levels in your second 5k time trials time trial compared to the first but so what if your time didn't improve but some people get hung up on the fact that they found a positive result like lower lactate levels I, I don't think that that's important so you need to know what the actual uh, result that the study shows is about and so yeah read the entire study one two final concepts that i want to talk about is external and internal validity i mentioned it a little bit with the uh, example of some people uh, the college students going to crossfit the day before the second time trial or the other or in the second study hypothetical study they were ordered to stay at home and rest and have the same meal as everybody else and meals i should say and uh, so that's Internal validity is how well a study is controlled internally. So, so how well they manage to control for different variables like recovery, nutrition, those sorts of things, sleep, time of day, equipment. There are tons of things that, that can be controlled. And any potentially important lurking variable, if you can control for it, it's good. But at the same time, there's also this... Uh, term external validity of a study so if you control for everything in a study uh, let's say hypothetically that you could do that then i mean if you want the same results as the study then you would also need to apply that to your life so you would always need to have the same uh, the, the same nutrition and uh, the same not going to crossfit all these things for it to be contextual to your life so so external and internal validity they are kind of uh, in a constant battle against each other so ideally what you want is uh, you want a good amount of internal validity but then you want it repeated across multiple multiple studies and they control for slightly different things so that you cover the spectrum and you still get those different those positive results each and every time which kind of gives external validity over time to that entire phenomenon across different uh, controls different uh, contexts so that's uh, very important to keep in mind final points nothing is a fact even if a lot of studies have shown it uh, research there's there are error bars in research papers for a reason and again it comes down to that variability and also research is often behind practitioners so don't discredit practitioners just because if they say that you should do a certain uh, certain strength training exercise for example and that hasn't been really shown in research to improve strength or improve performance well it doesn't mean that they're wrong it can potentially mean that it hasn't been tested yet so the next point after this so this was the technical part and i promise that now we'll get uh, 
less technical at least, still uh, quite philosophical, I, I want to say. But uh, this is about individualization uh, that's, uh, and humility. So we, we really have to understand that in most cases we don't know anything. And uh, I have done a lot of things in, in coaching and even at times when I've been self-coaching that are directly against science, against scientific evidence, because my goal and uh, the athlete's uh, desire is, and their athlete's goal is to improve that athlete's performance, not to, uh, not, not to throw that athlete in a bucket of the average research subject. So, uh, so we need to individualize. It's simple as that. A smart athlete that's self-coaching or a good coach that's uh, coaching an athlete, they, of course they will tailor things for the individual. That's uh, super intuitive to, uh, to, get, uh, to get, but that means that sometimes you actually may have to go against what scientific evidence may say, at least according to some people. Uh, other people might interpret that scientific evidence differently. But individualization here is key. So be very humble about that. And especially when you're looking at what another athlete is doing. So if your friend is doing something and you know a lot about research and you think that uh, that's not uh, that, that's not evidence-based, it may be for a reason that they're doing that. Their coach may be actually looking at what changes in the athlete, athlete's performance that they get from certain types of training and they may be adapting, hopefully they are adapting the training to that res- individual response and, and not just uh, reading all the research and then they have uh, a ready-made template of exercises that they just throw at the athlete that's just based on research but doesn't take into account the, the response of that person. So this is not, of course, an excuse not to stay up to date and know what the research says and what the evidence says about uh, all sorts of topics related to triathlon. Uh, I definitely think that constantly reading and educating yourself, at least if you're a coach, otherwise you may leave it to your coach if that's not what you're interested in, uh, that it's a must to do that. Uh, absolutely a must to, to understand and to understand these things and, and have a good grasp of it. And And if you don't, then... It's pretty easy to spend a couple of hours with with somebody. I'm sure you can find a nice PhD candidate who has a couple of hours. Invite them to dinner and they will explain everything about how to... Invite me for dinner and I can explain it to you. But uh, anyway, I, I think that education and staying up to date is super important. But... Uh, but but still, that individualization needs to come first. And, and that's why we talked about the three-legged stool at the beginning. Scientific evidence, coaches' experience, and athletes' experience and desire, and also having that measurement of performance. So I'm going to... This is a slight side note, but I just read it the other day on Facebook again. I'm again going to rant about Facebook groups and uh, triathlon Facebook groups specifically. And uh, because just because I mentioned that humility earlier, and this is uh, something that I never see on Facebook. I always see just know-it-alls. And uh, so I didn't even get involved this time, thank God. Uh, but I just shook my head and banged it against the wall a couple of times when I saw this thread. It was somebody posting their plan, their training plan for an Ironman this coming summer. And it was uh, from the base phase. It was like, I don't know, four or five, four or five month plan or something. And uh, basically how they were going to train uh, throughout their build to the Ironman. And... Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of comments 
and I, and I I didn't see anything necessarily wrong with that program to be honest. Uh, I I think that it could be perfectly reasonable to train the way that that athlete trained. It wasn't something that was extremely out of the ordinary, but. Everybody commenting on that post, they were pointing out flaws and errors in that poor guy's plan. And this is, it's not just in this case. I rarely see in these similar kinds of posts, or whether it's social media or otherwise, somebody commenting, hey, that looks good and smart. And uh, and uh, yeah, that, that might work very well. Uh, it's always pointing out flaws and errors, and uh, they're either basing it on their own experience or their view of scientific evidence, which often isn't honestly very great, uh, but they don't consider that they're not that individual, they don't even know that individual, so uh, so that's it's, it's just crazy, and, and I think that this accepting that we need to be super humble with these things and how little we know and uh, and and knowing that it's all based on the individual that's that's super important that's just what i want to uh, to get across with this story and so in this example again there are a lot of people that said that this uh, the plan was too hard and and that's that's just one example i bring that up because that's a trend that i see uh, it's it seems trendy for people to say that other people are overtraining i don't remember the last time i heard somebody say that another athlete is not training enough uh, even though i would estimate that if we talk about fulfilling athletic potential for 95% of triathletes at least it's uh, not training enough that's the problem not overtraining and that's for obvious reasons because you don't have time in your busy life to train as much as you would need to to fulfill your athletic potential but but still i mean that's a much more common problem than than overtraining especially if we talk about clinical overtraining syndrome so that was uh, again a bit of a side track but uh, yeah i think i think it's uh, it's an uh, illustrative example of how i think that we uh, should all always try to be aware of uh, what we're, how we're thinking about things, and be very, very humble about about this, because we really don't know shit. <laughs> uh, in uh, in my purest French. So, okay, final segment: applying these principles in practice. So, step number one is to know what your goal is, because. Um, how you use science and experience will be much different if you want to qualify for Kona compared to if you want to complete your first sprint triathlon. Uh, so, And you also need to know your objectives. So what do you need to achieve to accomplish that goal? So an objective might be to uh, you need to raise your FTP a certain amount to be able to uh, to have a chance of, of qualifying for Kona, for example. So, so knowing... Knowing that goal, knowing those objectives needed to achieve the goal, that's important. Second, you're not managing that which you aren't measuring is a thing that a famous saying from the business world initially, I believe. Uh, again, my example with that giant spreadsheet, that's me trying to to manage, uh, to, to measure so that I can manage how my athletes train and, and hopefully help them improve as best as possible. And uh, you should do the same if you're self-coached or or your coach hopefully does it for you otherwise. So so make sure that when you're trying a new, let's say that you're 
trying polarized training. Then when you start changing your training, uh, do a baseline test before and uh, and then give it say that okay, I'm going to give this uh, eight weeks and then I'm going to, to retest and see where I'm at. That doesn't mean that you need to if you don't progress that you need to abandon the ID, but you need to have a good reason if you want to continue. So so you need to be measuring and know yeah know know why you're doing certain things and and manage by measuring simply. And uh, and then when you want to to include something that you've found in research, let's say that you want to start to uh, to train fasted or what, whatever it is, something that you find some uh, some interesting research about, then the way that you incorporate this is uh, you need to look at uh, the accumulated scientific evidence available but also the accumulated experience available. So ask your coach, if you're self-coached, ask as many coaches and athletes as you can, uh, read on the internet, read about anecdotal evidence, and form a hypothesis for how this will help you and how much this will help you. So will it help you 0.5% or will it help you uh, to a 5% performance improvement? That's very different. Is it worth your time if it's 0.5%? Maybe not. Maybe you could focus your time and energy on something else. Uh, is it worth it if it's a 5% improvement? Heck yes, uh, it probably is because that's a whole lot in endurance sports. So so that's, you need to, again, consider the best use of your time and energy. If uh, Even if something may improve your performance, if there are other things that may improve your performance more, then that's maybe what you should, uh, what you should focus on. So, so this is, uh, and then you need to go deeper, not just look at study result, but on the context, uh, is this applicable to you, as we talked about, uh, are the demographics very, very different, uh, etc. Can you actually do the protocol, let's call it heat acclimation, for example, that's a good example. They have very specific protocols that you need to follow. Is that something that you can carry out in your home or wherever you want to carry it out uh, in a heat chamber at the university lab uh, what do, do you have the resources and whatever you need uh, to to be able to carry out a certain intervention so so yeah that's that's important and consider the context again going back to that internal and external validity and also be especially if you find the intervention that you want to try from not directly from uh, from a research study but from for example an article be very very critical of the source the best thing is to uh, is to go and read the research study directly read all of it not just the abstract and uh, if you're reading it just in a magazine or a newspaper, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. There are some great authors writing for magazines, like, uh, for example, you have Matt Fitzgerald writes for Triathlete magazine a lot, and he's really, really good at this. He knows his stuff. So if you need to read a Matt Fitzgerald article, if I read a Matt Fitzgerald article on Triathlete, I, I tend to trust that. Uh, but if it's... Uh, some other offer, it depends, there are other good ones as well, but then there are people that I either don't know, uh, or people that I, I've read things that I think is uh, bullshit, so, so I don't trust them, I lost my trust in them, so so you're, basically you need to be careful, and you need to have a filter on, uh, because it's very e- easy for, in these articles, for the author to misinterpret the research, and the same is true all over the internet, of course, on blogs, on podcasts, I'm absolutely sure that I've done it myself on multiple occasions uh, on this podcast. 
and I will do it again in the future. But I do my best, and I, and I have a pretty good background to to be able to to minimize these mistakes. So so I would say that this podcast is a relatively good source. Uh, so uh, that's uh, yeah, uh, just my two cents about about it. But for sure, uh, I make mistakes. If the if the authors that are uh, or the, the research researchers that are doing the study can make mistakes in interpreting as i mentioned uh previously then for sure i can do that as well and anybody can be aware of your bias that's something that we talked about in episode 104 with uh, dean gollish it's very very easy to find one study or several studies that supports your view which may be biased so try to play the devil's advocate and how can you kill your own idea and that will give you a much better, much more objective uh, basis for if you are going to do a certain intervention or not and, and apply something that you've read in research into practice. And finally, if you're coached, talk to your coach and ask them questions and make the suggestion that uh, uh, if it seems reasonable that you do this intervention that you read about. If you're self-coached, talk to different co- many different coaches, talk to other athletes, get ideas, get feedback. Uh, the better questions you ask, the better answers you get. So don't ask, what do you think of this? Because then, again, as I said, the chances are that people are going to be negative and give you just negative feedback. But if you ask, what do you think is good about this idea? And what do you think is bad about it? Or what do you think are the the potential benefits and the potential disadvantages. Then you will get already much better answers that will help you get a more objective view of what you're trying to achieve. I think that's about it, really. I'm sorry that uh, this episode was... uh, I was rambling a lot. Uh, As I always do in these solo episodes, I try to be organized. I have my notes here in front of me. But uh, yeah, I still get off on sidetracks and then I kind of forget what I've already already said. Uh, key takeaways here, the three-legged stool, scientific evidence, coach's experience and athlete's experience and desire. Uh, not all research is good research. Don't just read the ac- abstract. Remember, the context of research is super important and those terms external and internal validity. And finally... Um, I would say that another key takeaway is that uh, statistical significance is a composite score. It's uh, not the be-all, end-all answer for if something is good or bad. It's a composite score based on actual difference, variability, and sample size. Uh, Something may work great for you and still not statistically significant in in any study, or the other way around. So keep these things in, in mind. As uh, always, you can find the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com. And once again, if you have any questions, comments, then please, please post them in the comments section and I will answer them. Also, another thing, a piece of house cleaning, house cleaning item here. I got some emails from listeners that were asking about how to submit listener questions to specific guests. Uh, we've had them, for example, recently on interviews with Hunter Allen and Stacey Sims. And uh, the the way that I do that is on my Facebook page, Scientific Triathlon. Go and like it. Uh, that's where I usually, before I do interviews, I will sometimes, not always, <laughs> I forget, but sometimes I'll post post that I'm interviewing uh, X, Y, and Z. Uh, so if you have questions for them, 
please ask and I will ask them on the interview. So go and like Scientific Triathlon on Facebook to be able to, to do that. In the next episode on that triathlon show, I interview Tom Hughes from uh, the United Kingdom uh, on trimechanics.com and uh, his business is called Trimechanics as well. He's an expert in running biomechanics. Uh, That will be a really, really fascinating episode. I'm interviewing Tom tomorrow and I really can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. I have a feeling that it will be a long one, so it may actually break down into two different episodes. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. That's coming up next. Finally, thank you to our amazing sponsors who keep this show up and running. First, we have Triathlon Corner, the new online home of shopping the best triathlon products in the world to great prices. They have brands like Garmin, Stages Power, Café du Cycliste, Zip, Mako, Zone Free, Hoka One and all sorts of great brands. They're very selective about them, kind of like me and uh, my guests. I talked to Jan about this and uh, yeah, that's a funny uh, thing, thing that we found that we had in common. And uh, they ship worldwide, of course, and you can get 10% off your next purchase when you use the discount code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps on triathlon-corner.store. Thank you also to Precision Hydration for sponsoring this episode. Remember to take their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com. This will give you a personalized hydration strategy for your next race, before, during, and even after the race. And you can get your first box of Precision Hydration product for free when you use the discount code that triathlon show again all one word all caps on precisionhydration.com thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlons